We're looking at the events of the end times, and our perspective attempts to avoid replacement theology and getting the gospel wrong, as we looked at the uh, in our previous series. We talked about those as underpinning issues that tend to affect the current eschatological systems in Christianity. And I'll refer you back to those if you weren't able to see that series, you can you can uh, listen to it, or if you have questions about it, you can ask at the Q and A. Last week we looked at the overlap between the older and former promises that were made to Israel, leading up to the new covenant and the new creation to come. That overlap include was given to Israel, including Gentiles who become joined to the God of Israel and the Israel of God, through Jesus as our High Priest of the New Covenant and Messiah, King of the Jews. And we also looked at the overlap between the earthly restoration of the Kingdom and the New Heaven, the New Earth, the New Jerusalem, and the One New Man, which is One United Humanity. Then we specifically looked at the last days which began at the Incarnation and through the Ascension, the First Coming, and continues to the end of this heaven and earth. When Jesus said, not until the end of this heaven and earth will the Torah or the prophets have one jot or tittle passed from them until they come into completion. These last days are characterized by a continued disregard for God and all that is holy, including marriage, and even within the religious communities of Judaism and Christianity, there will be many who have a form of godliness but deny its power. And we're told to stay away from them. And we see evidence of this all around us as humanity is becoming more and more secular and individualistic. And there's no fear of God in their heads and little care for biblical concepts, again, like marriage and family or what you eat. Everyone does what is right in their own eyes. And that is a biblical statement that is not seen as a good statement. So at this point, I'm going to uh, share the chart that we're looking at. I'm not going to do this every week, but I want to show it again so that you know where we are uh, today. So let me pull this up and uh, get that chart and put it up on the screen. Now, you I told you at the end that I wanted you to uh, look at this uh, signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars. I want you to look at where that is. You'll notice it's right before the second coming, and it is at the end of the Great Tribulation. So your uh, messages. to you about that. I ask you to look at the chart for the yellow box with the sign of the sun, the moon, and the stars. So today we're going to look at the biblical texts that address these signs. And I want to make it clear that these signs are really a boundary marker or a focal point of the events of the end times. There are things that happen before 
for them and things that happen after them, but they precede that second coming and the day of the Lord. We're going to look at that. We're going to do that by starting with the book of Joel. So in the book of Joel, if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to look at this because these texts we're going to go over again and again in this series as we look at them in different contexts to see where these connections are. So in Joel chapter 2, now if you're using a, uh, a Jewish Bible, this is actually Joel chapter 3. Uh, the end of Joel 2 and the beginning of Joel 3 is different in Christian Bibles and Jewish Bibles, just with the numbering of the, uh, the text itself. But the text is the same. So in Joel chapter 2 verse 28, we have these words. It will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all, the word is flesh there, humanity, uh, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions, even on my male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke, the sun will be turned to darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. And on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be those who escape, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors, the word sometimes translated remnant, whom the Lord calls. Now, this is a very important text, and we're going to look at these uh, wonders, and that's why I've entitled this Wonders uh, in the Sky and on the Earth. The ones in the sky are listed here, and the ones on the earth are also listed. Joel includes the day of the Lord in his prophecy, and I'm hoping you'll read all of Joel so you'll be ready, because we'll, we'll come back to Joel later in the in the series. He speaks of God pouring out his spirit on all flesh. Now it's translated humanity here, but if you look at the focus, the focus is Israel's sons and daughters will prophesy. Israel's uh, children will have dreams and visions, the old men and the young men. God says he will display wonders, signs and miracles in the sky and on the earth. Specifically that the sun will be darkened, the moon will appear as blood, before the great day of the Lord comes. And these signs on the earth include blood, fire, and columns of smoke. During that time, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. And there will be a remnant that sur survives on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem. That's the focus of this text. It's important to keep this in mind that this is happening in Jerusalem and not in California. I saw again uh, last week a prophecy uh, by some Christian in America who's talking about the um, blood moon that's supposed to happen, and it's going to happen here in America, not in Jerusalem. The astrological signs are different on this side of the earth and that side of the earth, and we have to read these in their context. Now, with that, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2, to a passage that you're very familiar with, 
but has often been interpreted as the birth of the church. And in some sense, it's the birth of the core of the church, which is Israel, but there's not a lot of Gentiles in this text. Acts chapter 2, verse 16. Now, you know at Pentecost, the Spirit of God comes upon uh, the disciples, 120 of them, probably in the area around the temple, so this is happening in Jerusalem. They think it's about 9 in the morning. Some people think, because they're speaking in languages that people don't understand, and they think they're drunk. Now others hear the languages and understand them because they're the languages that they've learned as Jews in the diaspora. And this is why Paul says that tongues are a sign to unbelieving Jews. And that's what's going on here. He says that in Corinthians. So uh, here's what Peter says. This is that which is spoken of through the prophet Joel. It shall come in the last days that God says, I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind, on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my bond servants, both men and women, I will, I will pour forth my spirit. And they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above, Signs on the earth below, blood and fire, vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then Peter preaches to Israel about the Messiah having risen from the dead and ascending into heaven. So the Apostle Peter quotes Joel as he's explaining the coming of the Spirit on Israel at Pentecost. These are Jews, not Christians, and not Gentiles. He quotes the same signs as happening before the great and glorious day of the Lord. And Peter claims that Jesus was raised from the dead, has ascended and is seated at the right hand of God, waiting for his enemies to become his footstool. And that God has declared him both Lord and Messiah. Now later in the book of Acts, chapter 10, the Holy Spirit will come upon Gentiles in the same way he came upon Jews at the day of Pentecost. And of course, Peter will then baptize them in the house of Cornelius. Notice that the sun is becoming dark. The moon is turning to blood, along with the earthly signs of blood, fire, and smoke that will take place before the day of the Lord. Now this is important because we're about to look at Jesus explaining these very things. We're going to look at three of the Gospels. I'm going to read these texts, then I'll comment on them. But it's very important that you read Matthew chapter 24, Mark chapter 13, and Luke chapter 21 over and over again because I'm going to go back and back to them as we begin to fill in this chart with the events that are happening. So, in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 24, at verse 29, we have these words. Jesus is speaking. Immediately after the tribulation of those days... The sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. 
Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they, when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with great power and great glory, and he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. Now learn the parable of the fig tree. When its branches are already tender and it puts forth its leaves, you know that it's summer. So you too, when you see these things that he's just been saying, recognize that he is near right at the door. I tell you, this generation will not pass until all things take place. Heaven and earth will not pass, but my words uh, will pass, but my words will not pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels, not even the Son, but the Father only. All right? So, very important text. Now I want you to turn with me to Matthew's Gospel. And in Matthew, we're going to look at, I mean Mark's Gospel, I'm sorry. Mark's Gospel, we're going to look at verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 24. Again, read the whole chapter uh, during the week, but uh, we're specifically looking at these verses. Verse 24. In those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give it its light. And the stars uh, will fall from heaven. As the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send forth his angels and gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest ends of the earth and the farthest ends of heaven. Now learn the parable of the fig tree when its branches already become tender and puts forth its leaves. You know summer is near. Even so you too, when you see these things happening, recognize that he is near right at the door. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of the day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels nor the Son, but the Father alone. So watch, keep on the alert, because you don't know when the appointed time will come. And then Jesus goes on, we'll talk about that later. Now I want you to look at Luke chapter 21. Again, read all of chapter 21 during the week, but we're going to pick up at verse 25. Verse 25 says, There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars, and on the earth dismay among the nations, in perplexity at the roaring of the seas and the waves, men fainting or dying from fear. The text can be... Uh, translated either way, and the expectations of things which are coming on the world for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift up your heads, for your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable, Behold the fig tree and all the trees, as soon as they put forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things happening, recognize that the kingdom of God is near. 
Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not. So be on guard so that your hearts will not be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life, and that that day should come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all those who dwell on the face of the earth. You keep alert and pray that you may have strength to escape all of these things that are about to take place and stand before the Son of Man. Now, in each of these passages, we have a pretty clear statement by Jesus. These signs are going to happen after the Great Tribulation. So the Tribulation takes place before these things happen. And that will happen at the time of the completion of the Gentiles. The sun will turn dark, the moon will turn to blood, and the stars will fall. The focal point for this is Jerusalem. The powers of the heavens will be shaken, and men on earth will be scared to death or fainting when they see the sign of his coming and the things that are coming. At that time, he will send his angels with a trumpet who will gather his elect. We know what that is. That's the resurrection. And those who are alive and survive will be changed in a, in a moment in the twinkling of the eye. The world will see this and be scared to death because they know he's coming in full power and authority of God. So these signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars happen after the Great Tribulation and before the resurrection and the gathering and before the coming of the day of the Lord. So we'll see in later parts of this series that this particular text gives us a key to the order of the events. But it does not give us the timing that will come to us only in part because no one knows the day or the hour of his return. And we'll talk about that in a later message. So now what I want to do, I've been through all the Gospels, but I can't find that text in the Gospel of John. So does John not know about this? Of course not. John talks about it in his vision of the last time. So I want you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 6. Now Revelation chapter 6, I want you to read the entire chapter. We're not going to do that now. We're going to zero in on verses 12 through 17. We need to look at it in more detail because there's a sequence of events as the seals are broken, and we're going to look at the sixth seal today and the seventh seal. Then, uh, and maybe a little bit at the fifth, but I've got to get through this quick, so we'll, we'll come back through these at a later time. So, in verse 12, it says this, I looked, and when he had broken the sixth seal, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. And the sky was split apart like a scroll and it rolled up. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. 
and the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the commanders, and the rich, and the strong, and every slave, and every free man, hid themselves in the caves, and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne, and the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Now, we're going to look at this text in greater context later, but I want you to see the connection to the verses that we've just talked about. When the sixth seal of this sequence takes place, John sees the sun turn black, the moon become blood, and the stars fall like figs. Interesting that Jesus uses the analogy of the fig tree when he's talking about these as well. And in the gospel passages that we examine, these things are tied together. John makes it clear, as does Luke, that the kings of the earth and the elites and all human beings will hide themselves in caves and rocks of the mountain, asking to die because they don't want the wrath of God upon them. They will faint uh, in that context. Now, I want you to look at Revelation chapter 7. We've just finished chapter 6. And John says, After this, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, so that no wind would blow on the earth, or on the sea, or on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending with the rising of the sun, having the seal of the living God. And he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, and said, Don't harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their forehead. Remember what's going to happen when God pours out his spirit, not the first fruits of it that happened at Pentecost, but when he pours it out at this time, and all of God's servants will prophesy, and they will be telling the world what God is going to do. That's why the world now knows it's coming upon them. And so he says, don't start this until we've sealed those servants. And then John says, I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. So what do we have? We have, in this text, uh, John sees a kind of a hiatus. When he says, after this I saw, he doesn't mean I saw this after the sixth seal, because he's in between the sixth and seventh seal. He's now getting a clarification that fits into this context. At the time that this happens, there will be 144,000 of Israel on the earth who will be prophesying about the God of Israel and the return of the Messiah. And that's going to happen. And John sees them all up through verse 8. Then in verse 9 of chapter 7, we see something else. Let me read that. After these things, I looked and behold a great multitude, which no one could count, of every nation, 
and all tribes and all peoples and all languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands and they cry out in a loud voice salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels standing around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might. Doesn't that sound like the Kaddish that we just did? Uh, uh, To God forever, Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying to me, These who are clothed in white robes, who are they? And where have they come from? And John said, My Lord, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. And they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tabernacle, his covering over them. And they will hunger no longer, nor thirst any more. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of water of life. And God shall wipe away every tear. Now John sees a multitude, this time not on earth, but in heaven, before the throne of God and before the Lamb. This multitude, which no one can count, is from every tribe, kindred, and tongue. These are from Israel, they are from Egypt, they are from America, they are from all the countries. And they're wearing white robes and they have palm branches in their hands. And when John is asked where they came from, he doesn't have an answer. So he is told that they have come out of the great tribulation, They've washed their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. They serve Him. They will dwell with God. And they will never suffer again. For the Lamb will be their shepherd and remove all suffering from them. So the question is, how does this great large group come out of the tribulation to stand before God in heaven? Now, there are people who will say, well, they're raptured. But we know that that's not, fit, doesn't fit the timing. Because that resurrection and all that stuff is going to happen visibly and at the resurrection. They come out of the great tribulation by martyrdom. These Jews and Christians who fear the Lord and claim Him during the Great Tribulation are going to be killed for their faith. I want you to look at Revelation 6, 9 through 11. Just turn back. This is the fifth seal. Uh, And uh, he says, When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, remember that's before the sixth seal, I saw souls under the altar. Those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice, How long, Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And they were each given a white robe, and they were told they should rest a little while longer 
until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had been, would be completed also. So this is uh, a notion that they are... These are the martyrs who have died up until the Great Tribulation. Now, in the Great Tribulation, there will be a huge, countless number of people martyred for their faiths who have white robes because of the blood of the Lamb. So, in the same way that Israel went through the Holocaust and a majority of them died, so the saints are going to go through the Tribulation and a remnant will survive, as Joel says when the Lord returns, but a large number will be killed in the tribulation for their faith. And those who deny Him and reject Him and give up on the faith because it is too tough, He will deny them. That's what Jesus is talking about. Now I want to move to chapter 8, and I'll be done here in a second. In chapter 8, it says, When the Lamb broke the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar, holding the golden censer. Much incense was given to him, so that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar, which was before the throne. The prayers of the saints during this great tribulation, seeking God's protection and seeking God's favor, that they will be strong to the end and stand before him, uh, having not uh, denied him. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hands. And the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, sound, and flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. And the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. Now I'm just going to read the first one. The first sounded, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and they were thrown on the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees burned up, and the grass burned up. We have fire and blood and smoke. The sound, the, the wrath of God now being poured out as the great tribulation is going on and, and as God is pouring out his wrath, there is going to be a tribulation such as we have never seen. We are going to see the wrath of God poured out in this. And if you look carefully, you see those signs that Joel said would happen on the earth and that was quoted by Jesus and by Peter. Hail with fire and blood, which produces with the burning the columns of smoke. We're going to talk more about that later in the series, but we need to look at the Great Tribulation because it connects to the abomination of desolation that was spoken of by Daniel and Jesus and Paul, not to mention John. So I want to show you the, uh, the chart one more time. assuming you can see that. So now we have the order, not the timing, of the Great Tribulation. The Great Tribulation will be immediately followed by the signs of the sun, the moon, and the stars. And the signs 
of his coming will be seen and his raising of the dead and gathering the believers in the sky. So we have to look at this great tribulation that precedes that and the falling away that also is part of that pre-coming of the Lord notion. So let me close this. So that's where we're headed and we will do that um, uh, next week. Um, so I'm going to pray now and then we'll do Q&A if uh, any of you have questions. All right? So let's pray.